Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Dead Oddity of All a podcast. Wishing you a truly excellent Easter. <laughs> yes, this is your host, Scary Butterfield. <laughs> Easter means nothing to me. I'm neither religious nor a little boy. <laughs> so, uh, just a regular episode. Um, it's episode 19, which is the, the penultimate episode of season one. I've arbitrarily decided that Dead Idea Valhalla will have 20 episode long seasons. The difference between seasons will mostly mean uh, new theme music and a gentle redesign of the website. I don't have the HTML chops to actually add functionality to the website. By redesign, I mean exciting new fonts and uh, exciting new background JPEGs. So hopefully that's something you're interested in. I don't know if anyone here spends any time on the website. I've had a hard time even tracking how many people actually listen to the show iTunes doesn't release subscriber information, um, and the web stats that come with my site seem to suggest that each episode gets downloaded uh, between 50 and 100 times or so, um, sometimes a little bit more. So I like to think there are somewhere between 50 and 100 people listening to this, which is nice. I don't know personally know 50 and 100 people, so if you're out there and you're listening to this and I don't know you, hi, uh, my name is Gary Butterfield. Um, I'm about 30, I'm married, live in Portland, Oregon. Um, I do a podcast. I work as a receptionist at a university. Tell me about yourself. What do you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, I'm glad that we've met and uh, you're subscribing to the podcast. That's great. If you have a podcast, let me know. I'll, uh, I'll subscribe to that. Let's be friends. Why not? Um, I was thinking a little bit about the separation of art and the artist. What kind of made me think about this was Scott Adams, who is the lovable imp behind uh, the, those Dilbert cartoons that are so widely be tolerated in the United States. He went on a, a sexist kind of diatribe recently. And, um, you know, I don't like... Dilbert cartoons. I don't think it's funny that there's always memos or that his boss is a dog or there's an evil cat and everything. I don't, you know, that's, it's entertainment for old people. I, you know, people don't even get the paper anymore. So this guy's days are numbered regardless. But let's say you were a big fan of uh, Dilbert and you were cruising along on the internet and you read this thing he says about how Women are treated differently by society for the same reason we treat retards and children differently. And, you know, they should accept their 80 cents on the dollar, you know, pay state because it's the path of least resistant. And uh, as a man, we need to save our energy for more important battles. Um, you might be conflicted at that point. You might think, you know, boy, I really like all this, uh, all this humor about meetings and water coolers, um, because I can relate to them in my real life. But I don't know about this. This whole uh, it's it's a, not an important battle that women should uh, 
only make 80 cents on the, the dollar. Um, so, you know, I think, I think Scott Adams is an idiot in both spheres of his life, but to me, it's very easy to separate them into two idiotic spheres. Um, I think of the same thing when I think of Dave Sim. Um, he's the guy who did Cerebus, which is a, a really well-respected comic from the, the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, it's kind of started out as a parody of Conan the Barbarian and then ended as a parody of Dave Sim, the writer, as he uh, kind of went on and on about um, women are too emotional to think and uh, kind of turned his whole comic into that. And everyone kind of watched as uh, he degenerated into madness. Um, but I don't think before he degenerated to madness, you know, I think it's okay to, to like service, you know, there's no, I don't see this very strong relationship, um, in morally between, uh, liking an artist and their art, you know, one can definitely influence the other, but it doesn't necessarily detract for me. You know, there are tons of people whose work I really enjoy who personally, I, you know, disagree with or think are terrible, um, the, you know, principal among these is probably H.P. Lovecraft. These last couple of years, I've really gotten into him. And uh, he is, by all accounts, a terrible person. I'd say at least 30% of H.P. Lovecraft stories are overwrought fiction that ends with... Dun, dun, dun. And his relative was part Negro. You know, or um, his relatives made love to Negroes. And uh, it's it's awful. I mean, there there's some some stories that are are just terrible. There's a podcast called uh, H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast that's really good. And uh, I for a while I was trying to read the entire the complete Lovecraft. I was using that podcast as kind of a reading guide. They recently read a story that he wrote called Medusa's Coil, which is about animate evil hair in the first place. So I don't know what his real life position was on animate hair. But the end, you know, it, it ends with it, it being a monster. And then there's just this little tacked on little paragraph. It's like, and she was also black. And it just, it just adds to the horror, horror. of it. It's a real direct expression of, um, you know, racism being rooted out of fear. You know, because we, then we get fear being rooted out of racism. And it's, it's pretty interesting in that way. You know, all of his stories about, you know, having to, to find the the nest and smash the negro eggs and everything that, that he wrote doesn't make his his good stories any worse to me you know these stories where the surprise ending is that somebody's 116th black you know those are terrible stories but they'd be terrible stories no matter what he believed um and then his good stories that have nothing to do with that are still great you know he's he's a has an amazing imagination and uh you know just has these amazing concepts and ideas so to me, there's no relation. I think that as people, we have a real tendency to to kind of feel like we know the people whose art we consume. Um, I don't. I don't find that to be to be the case at all. Um, you know, if I like someone, I do not assume that I'm going to, or if I like the work of someone, I'm not going to assume I like them as people at all. And this even goes for people who are not racist or or evil, like. Um, you know, like I like the actor Paul Giamatti. By all accounts, he's a dick, and you can kind of tell that by just watching his his movies. It's, this guy doesn't seem like he'd be fun to to be around. Um, you know, I don't like. I'm I'm a huge fan of Tim and Eric, um, 
and and that's you know obvious through a lot of what I what I do here. And they played a show in Portland about a year ago, and my wife and I went to go see it. And I was killing time before the show, hanging out in Ground Control, and uh, Eric Wareheim and John C. Riley coming to Ground Control, kind of wander around. There aren't very many people there, um, and I you know felt like I should say something for some reason or another. I walked up to Eric and and told him I liked his work. And, uh, I, you know, I pretty much turned into a bumbling idiot at that point. Um, and he was, he was not, I wouldn't say he's dickish about it, but I was definitely kind of put off by, by the situation. Um, him and, and John C. Riley proceeded to play Mortal Kombat against some, some little hotties who came in, um, you know, which, which was fun kind of watching them play Mortal Kombat. But, um, you know, other than that, it was just, you know, if, it, it, the reason being is that art is this one-way street. You know, he, Tim and Erica can create this art, and I can get to know their sensibilities, you know, pretty pretty deeply, and really like them and uh, really appreciate them. But they don't. There's no reason to think that they would like me or be interested in me or, you know, have any interest in speaking to me. Like I'm just a dude. You know, and sometimes. You know, it can work the opposite way, too. If there's somebody whose art you don't really appreciate. Uh, me and my friend Brian were in an airport once and saw Bernie Mac on one of the on a little cart zooming around. Um, and Bernie Mac, I mean, I don't I hope this isn't racist, but that guy scares the shit out of me. Uh, he just looks so angry and 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 terrifying at all times. And he's got those like super bloodshot eyes that are always, you know, open 110 percent like he sees all. Um you know, and he just, he looked the same way. He's not, you know, uh, teaching a heartwarming lesson to his family or anything. He's just scooting around an airport and he just looks furious. Like I, you know, look, made eye contact with him for a second and he looked like he hated my fucking guts and that's okay. Like he, it's fine for him to hate me. You know, he doesn't even know me. Why would he, you know, what responsibility does he have to be, to be kind or nice or anything like that? I think none. Um, same thing if I were to meet Lovecraft and he was, you know, cowering in an airport, uh, looking this way and that at all the minorities that have been set loose through some kind of eldritch explosion in his mind or some kind of gated open to the Negro zone and his eyes are just shifting back and forth and he's just shaking, you know, about to, to looking about for a Shea Lounge to faint upon. Um, you know, I still, you know, oh, I guess if I did see that, I would I would think that he was fainting for a legitimate reason. But if he drew me aside conspiratorially and, and told me that uh, there are too many Negroes about, and I would, uh, you know, I would kindly tell him to fuck himself, you know, and then go home and read The Shadow of Rinsmith. So 
like to live better, but it is too late. This cancer resigned to your fate. Your cells have found malignant soulmates. It's cancer. Tell it to me straight. You'd like to live better, but it is too late. It's cancer resigned to your fate. Your cells have found malignant soulmates. Hi the fuck are you? I'm James Soup, and I have a question for you. I have a question for you? If you're anything like me, you once had a little brother, a little moonbeam lollipop of a skip jump spelling bee, and you think to yourself, James, isn't it sad that your little brother lost his mind and set fire to that terrarium factory on that gray December morn, killing ten? And then in response you think, James, my name is James, there's just one of me, and it's sad, of course, it is sad, and because it's so sad, after you're done talking, you go and you found some camps. Found in camps so easy that I've done it three times. Three times, you say? Yes, three. One, two, three, three, three times. First one was the camp you all know and love. James Soup's brain camp! This is a camp where we help those kids to get their top-end heads back up to speed and totally pro via an intensive program of snacks and action. Secondly, I am the co-founder of the all-girls summer fun summer fund camp across the lake. Why else do you think they'd let me paint turtles on those breasts just to keep little boys and girls from brain camp away from those French sticklers? 
No, it's not because I've been chemically castrated. It's because I own part of the camp. You see, I figured that girls would want a camp where they can spend the summer doing girl things like braiding hair and wearing ribbons. And I thought, James, where the money come from? Where the money at? Where are you going to get money for that camp? And then I thought I'd fight flower with flower and use girl power to create the funds. Through an intensive program of labor, snacks, and action, the girls provided the capital for the all-girls summer fun camp and just in the next town over. But no, I'm here to talk about my third camp. The third camp's a charm. One, two, three times a lady, it's James Soup's dream camp! Tell. Despite your best efforts, do the rotting harlequin gums of those candy cadavers, the live-action turtles, follow you into your sleep? Did you attempt to rape an ordinary sea tortoise at the zoo in some sort of twisted power play and you didn't even get to nut? To nut? Were you chemically castrated? As a result, and thus have nightmares about your mother perpetually stomping on your brand new, constantly regenerating nudicles in some sort of sophistication labor in your brain. Then, uh, then I think, um, <laughs> just, just, um, you need James Soup's Dream Camp! The first step is to name your fear, so you get a funky new tattoo from my friend and yours, Sarky Pernice, of the Behendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendendend